Hello, and welcome to the Writers and Illustrators of the Future podcast. This is John Goodwin, your host. This podcast is dedicated to the aspiring writer or artist and will provide inspiration and tips from top professionals in the field, along with contest winners and a few surprise guests. Today, we are speaking with Illustrators of the Future winner from 2011 in Volume 27, Dustin Panzino. Welcome, Dustin. Hey, everybody. How are you doing? So, um, anyway, we've been trying to get together for a while here, and I'm very excited about this because you were, as a winner, you were only 19 years old, but you've gone on to create an industry, a business, as an illustrator where that's your um, major source of income, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I do freelance and work at home mostly, but I also um, travel the country doing about 15 shows a year on average. Um, it, it depends on the year. Obviously, this year it'll be a lot less. Right. But, uh, so um, I guess before we get into how you're, how you're surviving the, the current scene and the current um, new normal, or hopefully it's not staying <laughs> this new normal, but... So how did you originally get started in uh, illustration and art? Um, so in 2011, I um, just finished my first year of undergrad. And I was, art to me was more of like a gallery thing. But then I um, was invited to, invited for the contest. And I went out to LA and I got to meet a lot of um like working illustrators, I think uh, Stephen Hickman was one who was very inspiring to me at the time. Uh-huh. Um, and I, um, Cliff Nielsen as well. Right. And I realized that illustration, would, you know, had so many more avenues than just being, you know, this gallery artist. And that was kind of with like what art was defined to me for so long. It was like, you have to do a pretty picture and you put it in the gallery and, you know, that's the art world, period. There was nothing else. Right. And then, you know, I met Steve and Cliff and then, you know, so many others and also the other winners. Um, and I don't think I really took it all in at the time, but slowly I was like, oh, I can, you know, I can make images that I want. I don't have to, you know, you know, I did the gallery thing for a while and they just wanted portraits and that was all that was selling. And it really wasn't something that inspired me. So slowly through that, I kind of learned that. I could do the work that I wanted and still make a living. Right. Yeah. So I was just, so you obviously won the contest and came out in 2011, but what led up to that? How long had you been, you said you've been doing portraiture and been working stuff with, uh, with galleries. So you'd been doing art and illustration. You've been creating it for a while prior to that. So when did you actually start? Was it like as a, as a, as a child, or did something that come to you when you were in junior high, high school, or how did, how did that evolve to becoming an artist? So I always liked um, drawing, obviously, as a kid, but I think I started taking art more seriously in high school. And it was kind of um, like I wasn't very good at a lot of other things. So it was like if I wanted to get into a good school, I had to use my like one skill yeah. Um, so it was kind of funny in that um, regard. But again, like I, I didn't really understand the art world. I just enjoyed drawing and I, I hadn't worked at all before the contest. Like I, the portraiture came afterwards, but 
I went to the contest. I, I took in all the information. It took me a couple of years to really process it. Cause again, I was 19. I didn't really know where I wanted to go. Uh huh. So, you know, following the contest, you know, I did the gallery thing. I did, you know, sold like original oil paintings or whatever and realized that like, you know, it really wasn't for me in that, you know, that aspect of the art world. And then I started reflecting more on the people I had met and the connections that I had made. So I was a little bit of a late bloomer in taking advantage of the, the things that were presented to me, but I'm still very happy that I did. Right. How'd you find out about the contest? Um, it was actually, I found out online in high school um, my senior year, I was, uh, I was like applying to every scholarship, trying to find like every resource. And there was this like fantasy sci-fi contest. And I was like, oh, that sounds really cool. You know, I'm into really like nerdy things. The work was amazing. I saw from like past winners at the time. Um, so I applied and I didn't think anything of it. And then skip almost a year later, I get a call saying that I had won this thing and it almost kind of sounded like a like a scam <laughs> and I didn't believe it. So I like hung up or didn't like listen to them and then they had called my mother and my mom called me back and was like, it's not a scam, answer the phone. <laughs> um, and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so that was a little, yeah. Yeah, sometimes if, it's t if it seems too good to be true, it... it uh... It is too good to be true, but this is one of those this is one of those exceptions to that rule. So, um, have you always done fantasy art? Has that always been your thing, or I mean, you did portraits, but did you secretly put elf ears on them or something? Or <laughs> um, you're very much fantasy right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I I think at the beginning I was super inspired by like the old master paintings, like Sargent and um, you know Rembrandt and all that and you know, that was kind of, if my work didn't look like that, it wasn't, you know, good or whatever in my head. Uh-huh. Um, and after spending way too long trying to achieve those, those looks, I think I was somewhat successful, but I wasn't fulfilled with it. And I spent a long time trying to, like, do work again that I was inspired by and like you know I would paint what was in my living room or I would paint like what was on the street um and it was just kind of boring it was like stuff I had seen every day so fantasy started I started doing a little bit more fantasy because it, that was like the media that I was in taking mm -hmm. um and it was just a lot more interesting to me interesting to me right. I could design the characters I could design the world I could make something that didn't exist um and that's kind of like what illustration and storytelling is to me. So I think that worked. Um, I don't know. It yeah. just, it makes it funner. Sure. Now I see a lot of, a lot of the, on the website, a lot of your amazing art. Do you find it difficult or easy to work with clients? Like, do you paint something and they buy it or do they give you, okay, I want this, this, and this, and you have to create and then they go, okay, that's good. Or no, I need more this and that. And then you have to make it to their specifications. Which way do you go on your art? Um, so I'm lucky enough to, uh, at this point, be able to kind of pick the clients that um, come to me. Uh huh. 
Um, but you know, a couple of years ago, like I had to take every job and some, some of them are great. They just like, let you do whatever you want. And oftentimes that'll make the best work in my case. Right. Um, or they'll, you know, they'll want something very specific and obviously, you know, I'll, I'll deliver that, but you know, it's not as, you know, it might not be as fun. I get it. Interesting. Right. Um, but now because I do do so many shows a year. I can live, you know, my base costs can be completely sustained from that. So if somebody comes to me with a job and it's, it doesn't interest me or I feel like I'm not the right fit for it, I have the option to turn that down. Or I can, you know, I have more leeway to be like, well, I'll take this job, but, you know, I want creative control over this aspect of it or, you know, that type of thing. Okay. So, yeah. Do you mostly do a certain type of work is it do you do is it book covers or do you do paintings that then people have for their for their uh, their own personal uh room and for their, for their own showcase or what type of art do you do and and how did that evolve so typically for clients i'll do like splash art or covers um you know anything like advertising that type of way um i've also recently been getting into more concept work for smaller like gaming companies uh-huh. which is really fun because it's like there's no you know they'll give me a concept and then i get to like run wild with it there's no like it has to look like this it's like you're developing the idea right which i find very fun um but then when it goes to like my personal business or like being an independent artist which i would categorized different from being like a freelance artist when i go to shows i'll bring like my personal work or like a painting that i just did for fun or like something you know a world that i'm developing and so that's something i'll bring like you know big prints for small prints for and that's something that like just anybody who's at the show will buy to put on their wall right Um, so those are kind of the the two avenues that i'm um balancing at the moment now, with the current scene, this stay-at-home scene, and even as it's evolving now where there's a social distancing and the, and the future of the big conventions is still yet to be uh, determined, how are you able to transition from, the, like I said, 15 conventions, 15 shows a year now to mostly operating from home and make it work for you? Yeah, it's a, it definitely was a little um, nerve-wracking at first. And, like, obviously, you know, everybody's income has been cut quite a bit in this, you know, that does shows. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've, uh, I've always had an online shop, so I've transferred, like, a lot of my business more to that. I run sales on the same weekends that shows would happen. Um, And a lot of the conventions have been really great about promoting the artists that weren't, you know, able to come out there. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah. So I'm still making, you know, a living through that enough to, you know, meet my rent and my base costs. Um, I live really cheap. I I don't spend a lot of money on, you know, unnecessary things. So in a time like this, it kind of works out really well. As long as you got enough money for your lapis lazuli. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, and then there's still some freelance jobs coming in. So I did take more freelance jobs than I probably would this time of year. Mm-hmm. You know, again, having, you know, an online store already established and like a social media kind of established. Um, 
I was in a really good spot to not end up on the street. Yeah. Luckily. Yeah. So have you found that there's a, that there's less disposable income? Like when a person goes to a convention, they use, they've got disposable income that they're going to go and just, okay, I want this and this and this. They just pick what they want to find. Has that affected you or because of how you're operating with your social media presence and your online presence that you're able to bypass that and still keep yourself busy? Um, it's definitely like, I'm definitely making less sales than I would if I was at a show, Mm -hmm. but I'm almost noticing that people are making bigger purchases on my like online shop and stuff like that. Like they're almost being encouraged to like support artists and spend more, which is like kind of really warm and fuzzy in a way that like, um, people are thinking of it that way and like supporting the art community Yeah, in like weird times like this. So that's really great. Um, but then also like, I do have a lot more time than I would. So I'm also getting to spend that on like personal projects, which then I can put back into like, you know, making a print on my online shop of like a piece I really wanted to. And then that has done well. And then I'll have more products when shows do start back up. Right. You know, it's just all spinning, utilizing my time wisely, I think. Yeah, so you're looking at the cups half full instead of half empty right now. Yeah, for the moment. At first, you know, a little bit pessimistic, but it uh, everything leveled out, so that was nice. Yeah. So for you, the moment. Yeah, I, I get it. So are you finding that, like, and I think this is an important thing, too, although it's it's very subjective, but is your attitude of making it work rather than feeling the effect of the overall oppressive nature of the current scene and all the other downward terms that get used for it. But your, your attitude, is that, is that making a difference for like surviving it and, and doing well? I, I absolutely think so. Like the first couple of weeks, I was very sad that, you know, some big shows had gotten canceled that I was looking forward to. And I was very unproductive uh-huh. those weeks. And then I, I thought about it and I was like, wow, I never have this much free time. I can do anything I want, really, as long as, you know, I'm being safe. So I think, you know, that helped a lot. That's and good. stuff yes. like Yeah. Yeah. So with respect to other artists, because this will be um, obviously being um, broadcast while we're still going through this, but also even down the road once we've gotten to uh, whatever the new normal is going to be, what type of, of uh, attitude or, I guess, advice would you have for the aspiring artist to, uh, to realize their dream? I would say that um, figuring out your goals are very important. And I know that sounds kind of like cheesy, but like really understanding what you could see yourself doing for a long time. Like being an illustrator, like I already work at home. So the transition between like normal day life and like Corona life wasn't too big of a difference for us. Mm -hmm. So like if you're a new artist or a new illustrator or even a writer, um, establishing like a safe working environment within your home, even if that's not where you normally work, I think would be very beneficial even when things kind of normalize. So like before 
all this started, like my typical workspace was at the university down the street. I would just go to the labs and work there. And that's just kind of like how I focused. So even though I've been working for a while, when I was stuck home, I like was like, oh, do I sit in front of the TV and like draw on my iPad? Do I do this? And like, it was just like kind of distracting. And then one day I kind of had to just like set up my desk, which was you know, I had a desk, but it was just like covered and stuff. I never worked at it and just like made it, you know, my own. And at, after that, I became a lot more productive and then really thought about like, okay, like things are on pause, but when they're not on pause, where do I want to be? What do I want to be doing? Is there anything I can be doing now to um, reach those goals faster? So like, when shows back start back up, I want like this big new setup. So right now I'm working on that or like there's this piece I really wanted to do. So right now I can work on that, you know, and it's just like practice and stuff like that. That makes sense. And do you have a schedule you've adopted? Um, sort of. So I make sure that when I wake up, I put in two hours of work on any, it doesn't matter what it is. And it just, um, at least two hours of work on anything. And it makes me kind of think about those things. It's not like about finishing anything. It's just about keeping it in my mindset. And then I can go do whatever I want. I'll go like, um, you know, watch a show, go for a walk, go for a bike ride. And then like, I've already established kind of working on that project. So I'm thinking about it all day. I'm problem solving all the issues that I couldn't figure out during that first two hours. Right. So when I come back to it, I feel like I'm getting a lot more work done a lot more efficiently um, and just doing kind of like one session, even if it's super small in the morning and then, you know, putting in it however many other hours I want to in the evening, I feel like I get, you know, twice as much done, even if it's half the amount of time, just kind of that way. Wow. Now, do you still study other painters or are you pretty much now locked and loaded on a direction that you that you've taken? So when I, you know, in 2011 and when I was in undergrad, um, I definitely studied just like, you know, the old master paintings that I had mentioned. And like, um, I was very, you know, I didn't know anything about like the digital art world or anything. And then about two, three years ago, um, I was being really limited on like the jobs I could get because I, you know, I was just an oil painter. I did all my work in oil painting. That's the only thing I had ever been trained in. Um, I made the transition to learning digital and it took a while to like keep the same quality, but I really enjoyed um, studying a lot of the Chinese painters and um, there's some other ones. Uh, Malaysian painter um, Zen Chen is really good. They have this very academic approach to their digital work, actually. Yeah. So it's almost like their digital work was inspired kind of by the academic approach of like the European like masters in a way. So it's like the work that inspired me as a kid, but then like the digital version of it. Um, so those were kind of the artists I looked at. So there's like um yeah a lot of the eastern and uh artists are really putting out some really good paintings lately i get it whenever i'm did you ever meet bob eggleton i don't believe i did anyway he's, he's one of the founding judges for the illustrators of the of the feature contest and 
he's known, I mean, he was even, would be brought over by Japan movie studios for consultation on anything Godzilla, or as he always say, Godzilla. And so he does a lot of the, of the monsters. He did the, our book cover last year with the, uh, the robot on the oh, book right. cover. Okay. And, um, but he, he t- totally gets into, you know, the oil paintings of landscapes and seascapes. He likes, it's amazing. It, it's such an opposite thing from the heavy duty, you know, monster art that he does. And then all of a sudden go the other, what seems like the total opposite of that spectrum of doing the, uh, of landscape art just to be able to keep some type of diversity and so he doesn't get stuck in one, one format. Have you, do you have any type of a thing like that? Um, or maybe it hasn't become an issue for you yet. <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like every project I do, I kind of take like a different approach to, which I don't know if that's hindering me or is like an asset at this point. Um, I think maybe I just haven't been working professionally long enough to you know, really get into the groove in that way. Yeah, he was definitely into, I mean, he's won, I think, 13 Hugos and however many Chesleys and for his science fiction art. And so he just, you know, he just like, I got to get out of this groove. I need to do something else. So for him, having done it for so many years, he was just wanted to be able to ex- explore more the, the full spectrum of art that, as he saw. I mean, he would designed, um, one theme park in Las Vegas. He's done all kinds of stuff, so he just liked to spread himself. That that would be amazing, but yeah, um, not quite yet. For yeah, not, not <laughs> okay. someday maybe. <laughs> yeah. So now, when you did your workshop, um, you were there. You're talking about um, people that influenced you. There was, you know, Steve and Cliff and the other winners. Were there any of the um, other aspects, the workshop itself, any of the essays or things that were gone over that, that had any impact with you? I think being in LA, like I, I had grown up in like a small like village in like New York, very, very few people. And then at that time I was also in a pretty small college in Manchester, um, New Hampshire at the time. Uh So then being like flown out to LA I'd never been to a city like that um and just seeing like you know my world was like you know the 500 people in the town at the time and like the world didn't get much bigger than that right so really being introduced to like so many people in so many different like fields or like not fields but so many different avenues of our field right um and just understanding like how like big the industry actually is um really kind of opened my eyes in that way and understanding that like you know i didn't have to just do you know figurative oil painting i could you know i could do my own thing or um didn't have to be stuck in like a small royal rural town for like ever so right so on um on the fact of uh Mr. Hubbard creating this this contest and endowing it and still endowing it long past his passing. What do you think about that in terms of of providing this contest and the importance of it to the arts? I, I think it's a really great opportunity, especially for, you know, somebody like me who was just 19 and didn't really understand the like illustration community um, or like how vast the scope of things were. Yeah. And even for like the writers, obviously. 
um, as well, it was a, a really great opportunity to, to see like what was possible and like how your work could be used. And, you know, and even if you like enjoy that type of um, work and being involved in like an actual, you know, publication, I think is really, you know, inspiring and unusual for, for people to be given that type of opportunity. Right. Especially at such a like young age, like I was a freshman, like, um, nobody was going to publish me at the time if it wasn't, you know, for that. So, right. So as respect to, uh, other aspiring artists, what type of advice would you have for them in general? Not even necessarily enter the contest, although that could be one of your pieces of advice, but what advice do you have for someone who really wants to make a career as an artist? I would say, um, you know, start right away, draw every day, practice as much as you can, figure out your goals, like where you want to end up. You know, do you want to be like a concept artist working in a studio? Do you want to do freelance gallery work? You know, where do you see yourself being happy? And once you know what your goals are, figure out the steps you need to make gradually to get there. Um, so, and I think that's one thing I see a lot of students and stuff, like, don't realize they're like, oh, man, I want to, you know, I want to do gaming and be a concept artist, but they don't really understand the pipeline or, like, how to get there. So the work they're doing doesn't represent that, and then their portfolio doesn't represent that. So, you know, if they want to be an illustrator and do, you know, you know, narrative pieces, like, that's what the work they should be doing. And if they're not doing that, maybe that's not what makes them happy. Mm -hmm. So, you know, to figure out your goals and uh, how to get there, essentially, I think is very important. And these are all questions that anybody can kind of answer themselves. They don't have to be an expert, you know, to do that. And then once you know what those goals and those, you know, kind of steps that you need to make, you can do the research or like reach out to like industry professionals, everybody in the community for the most part is like extremely open and super genuine which is one thing that i really love about you know the art world good and you mentioned the word portfolio so how important that is that is that still as a tool for the for an aspiring artist or for any artist um it's extremely important um it's it's kind of like our resume um somebody's gonna look at my portfolio well before they look at my resume and even like you know i have like kind of a makeshift portfolio on like say instagram or twitter you know, on these social medias. And I get a lot of my work through those means and they never even see my resume. They never see my education. They don't even, you know, they might not even know my name. They just know my username and my work and then they'll reach out. So getting your work out there and having a portfolio that represents the type of work you want to do is extremely important. That, I think that's very, a very good um, piece of advice that artists need to be able to have is that that exact thing of the portfolio and how in today's age a portfolio can be presented. It's not like you're carrying around your your zip case that you open up and play and lay it out on his desk before you before the uh, um, whoever you're going to go try to sell your work to. It's it's done now online and people see it long before they ever see you. Absolutely. And so if somebody wants to get an idea of how to put together a portfolio, I guess they should then uh, look you up there. On your Instagram page? 
Yeah, they're absolutely welcome to do that. Um, they're also welcome to reach out. I'm always happy to um, talk to anybody who wants advice on stuff like that. So the way they reach you is at inkwell underscore illustrations? Yep, and then there's a message button, and they're, they're more than welcome to, to reach out. Good. So that's I-N-K-W-E-L-L underscore I-L-L-U-S-T-R-A-T-I-O-N-S, inkwell underscore illustrations. Yep, that's correct. And then, because um, when I first started looking at before doing this thing, I went to the website and started um, looking you up, and I got the various uh, web pages, which, which has a lot of your art there, but the main way that people reach you is through your Instagram. That's where you live to be able to uh, communicate with people. Yep, I'm active on there every day. I try to post um, also every day if I can on that, uh, on that platform. Okay, that's great. And then on Twitter, what's your handle? Um, it's the same thing. Okay, good. Inkwell underscore illustrations. Well, any last thing you'd like to say to, um, to anybody listening here, which would be primarily artists and aspiring artists? Yeah, I would say if anybody's listening, especially if they're um, you know students or whatever, I would definitely attempt to uh, apply to the contest. It was definitely a big uh, resource for me as a student. And I think, you know, even if they're not a student, even if they're older, I definitely would apply to the contest, check out the amazing illustrators and writers. So that would be my Good. last words on that. Good. Yeah. We even had a, a illustrator winner once that was in his seventies. So it's open to anybody of any age. It's just the judges have no idea who the uh, contestant is, any age, any nationality. There's no requirement of any ethnicity or anything it's just straight are you good or not so anyway thank you very much dustin and it's been a real pleasure being able to, to speak with you finally here and uh i know other people will be looking forward to listening to uh what you have to say thank you so much john have a great day thank you and thank you for listening subscribe to the writers of the future podcast wherever you get your podcasts the writers of the future podcast is available on soundcloud itunes google play Pocket Cast, stitcher player fm iheart and spotify and the Writers and Illustrators of the Future Contest were created by Elwin Hubbard to provide a means for the aspiring writer and artist to be seen and acknowledged. It is free to enter and open to new and amateur short story writers and artists of science fiction or fantasy. And again, thank you very much, Dustin. Have a great day.